1: Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Whalen. If you like this podcast, cool. I'm glad you do. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, it's been a, a, a trying weekend for for one Nick Whalen. Uh, the Jags yet again falling. This time in Buffalo. I don't even know where to begin with them. I mean, Blake Bortles shootout was just awful. He ran really well, though. Maybe he should just move to running back.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's possible. Uh, They've talked about it, I would think. Uh, But, yeah, like you said, 13 of 26 through the air. Uh, An aerial assault, you might say. Uh, 126 yards. Did have two touchdowns. He had a really, really nice throw, actually, to Marquise Lee over the middle, something that we haven't really seen much of from Blake Bortles, kind of a throw-it-to-the-spot type of throw, the the ones that he's really struggled with, you know, like a quarterback throw. The ones ones that NFL quarterbacks can make on a regular basis, True, exactly. Uh, something that we haven't seen from him again uh, much this season. And I mean, this was a back and forth game. The Bills, this is a tough Bills team, Derek. They're six and five. Uh, you know, Jacksonville going to Buffalo, a tough place to win, a place where I believe the Patriots have already lost this year. So if you think about it like that.
1: Right. The Jacoby Brissett led um, Patriots lost there.
2: I mean, Jacoby Brissett, like Bortles. Would you trade Bortles straight
1: up for Brissett?
2: No, but I'd think about it. <laughs> you'd at least review the paperwork. Brissett kind of ran wild for a couple games. Or I don't know if he had that long run against the Bills. I don't think it was against the Bills. Texans maybe uh but Bortles ran for 81 yards in this one I mean the the Jaguars ground game is back 183 yards as a team Chris Ivory ran well until getting hurt uh, I think kind of late in the second quarter he went out of this game
1: that's what he does he gets hurt
2: Denard Robinson kind of took over from there uh TJ Yeldon had six carries but uh, Robinson had 13 carries in this game and it's not like it was a garbage time situation and they just wanted to rest Yeldon or anything like that I mean I don't know if Yeldon's in some sort of doghouse. I feel like everybody should be in the doghouse on this team. Um, but team but Denard, is a doghouse. Denard Robinson coming out of nowhere to carry the ball 13 times was, was very surprising. And, of course, none of those carries went for more than nine yards.
1: If you had found a prop bet in some back alley in Vegas that would have given you some odds on Denard Robinson having more yards from scrimmage in this game than Allen Robinson you'd be a happy happy man today assuming that you yeah, a lot you're, of that if you're back alley all
2: robinson props as as i'm sure a lot of people are uh, the old
1: back alley robinson props big.
2: yeah but i mean i'm glad we're starting with the jags just to get this out of the way i mean it's it's to the point now they're mathematically eliminated um from the playoffs which it seemed like it should have i mean they were mathematically eliminated in my mind like in like week 4 um so now it's just starting to look ahead to the draft and luckily there's a lot of really exciting players in college football that I'm starting to turn my attention that direction
1: sure yeah Jags 2-9 um it's
2: it's not a good time the best two-win team in the NFL though maybe the best two-win team we've ever seen maybe possibly I mean these last few weeks they've almost won like Three times.
1: Well, they sacked Tyrod Taylor five times. Yeah. so you got that There's going a sack for you on
2: for a lot of this game. Uh, Jackson played really well. Lashawn uh, uh, played well.
1: It's, those are encouraging signs, but Tyrod Taylor nine point two yards per attempt. Lashawn McCoy had a hundred yards on the ground, hundred and three to be exact. Seventy-five of those, I think, came on one carry. Second play of the second half. Sometimes it's all you need. Sammy Watkins had a sixty two yep. yard reception, three for eighty on three targets. It was mostly just big plays. It that really killed the was. Jags.
2: It, the first half, Buffalo couldn't do anything. I mean, this was this was a, a seven six game at the half. The Bills scored uh, you know, just before halftime and then were unable to hit the extra point. But yeah, the second half was just, you know, kind of big play after big play for the Bills. There was uh some questionable uh pass interference calls on the Jacksonville secondary, but but at the same time, I mean they— it's a it's a fairly you know untested unit I guess you know Jalen Ramsey for as many big plays as he makes you know still has uh, those lapses and, and I think Buffalo was able to to take advantage of that but just an ugly game overall I mean a, a combined I mean they barely I don't even think they broke 300 yards combined passing
1: no uh, but Justin Hunter scored again he has seven catches this year four of them have been touchdowns yeah.
2: touchdown machine Justin Hunter
1: you can't really stop him you just hope to contain him mm-hmm. that's as much as you can do. Uh, against Justin Hunter, uh, I had to go Jags before jerseys seen this weekend. Uh, right. Also, notice you snapped me uh, another brown box of what was Cool Light. It just comes in a cardboard tray.
2: Right? They don't even—they're minimizing their uh, packaging. It's,
1: There's not even ink on there.
2: No. It's just a, you could put anything in that. It's just, it's just like a general cardboard tray, you know, something that you would keep like strawberries in if you're going to a farmer's market, like that type of thing. Yeah. You could probably Um, get uh,
1: four quarts of strawberries in one of those. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Easily. So yeah, I went back to the cool light. Well, um,
1: why did you downgrade from hams?
2: Uh, well, you see, i I'd, I'd been home this past week, and I'd had plenty of hams. The where the hams thing all started was back home. There's a bar that that does dollar hams, and you know I'd been to that that place a couple times during the week. Kind of had my fill, uh, which I never really thought was possible. So I just kind of had to mix it up, and, and I'm glad I did.
1: Jersey scene this weekend though,
2: not much. Bad Jersey um, weekend. Well, you got to think. I mean, I was I was back home until early Saturday, um, so I really only had one day to to scout things out. Uh, didn't really leave the house much yesterday watching all the football games. Uh, didn't really see any jerseys. Now that I think about it, I mean, I would have told you. Usually I'll usually I'll alert you right away.
1: Yeah, you do. You do a good job notifying me when that happens. I, I was at Farm and Fleet. Fleet I had Farm. That's Farm and Fleet here. It's Fleet Farm where you're from, right, but it's, it's Farm Fleet and Farm. Fleet in this part of the state. I had to return a car battery. That was sure. exciting. I had to, you know, recycle it's that. One of my favorite things to return. Take care of the environment. You get the core charge back, so you yeah. get some money back. Uh, almost bought a Badger's camo winter hat. I don't hunt, sure, but I figured it'd be useful if I needed to like hide mm, outside. Yeah. Uh, it also had like a nice like rain-resistant fabric to it, very oh, yeah. warm. Yeah, no, you don't uh, have to explain anything. To me. I, I think hunting clothes are actually like good outdoor clothes because if you're going to sit in a tree for ten hours in the cold, you probably want to be somewhat comfortable mm. doing it. So I, I may have overlooked uh, hunting apparel as part of the wardrobe. Uh, to this point, so we'll have to figure that out. I didn't really see any jerseys either. I was at Farm and Fleet. I was at Costco. Farm and Fleet's not going to be a Jersey Central type of place. It, no, it's not. You know, Farm and Fleet's the kind of place where neighbors in a small town bump into each other and have thirty-minute right. conversations in the grilling section.
2: Yeah, well, if you see a jersey there, it's going to be like a, a Mark Chamura or like a Santana Dodson, you know, so a, a jersey that was bought in like nineteen ninety-seven and that person
1: has just worn it every Sunday. Right. Well, the Chamura jerseys in Madison. Don't don't happen as much, but I think in the rest of the state, they've, they've popped back up again.
2: Yeah, they're becoming, like, ironic now. For a while there, it was like, oh, is actually a good player. I'm going to buy his jersey. Then it was, oh, man, can't really wear this. But it's been long enough. Like, the statute of limitations on Mark Chamura being, like, kind of a creep is, is starting to wear off.
1: He's still a creep, though. Like, it's 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 weird that people are just well, yeah, I just got this old Shimura jersey. I yeah. just, I don't know. It's been in the closet for 15 well, it's years. It's almost
2: like wearing, you know, like, like I kind of want a Gilbert Arenas jersey. And it's like Gilbert Arenas in recent years has kind of revealed himself to be a little bit of a crazy guy.
1: Um, but that kind of enhances the jersey, I think. Well, bringing a gun to the locker room, like that kind of crazy doesn't bother me the same way that, you know, crimes against other people that are sexual yeah. in nature. Like, you shoot the gun. Hey. Well, he didn't shoot it. He just brought it. Yeah, I, I didn't. I'm just saying, like, like that that brand of crazy. Like, that's that's whatever. You want to you want to support that? That's right. fine. But Chewy, no, never. Uh, all right, let's move back on to this slate because, well, we got to get through it. Mm-hmm. Falcons Cardinals. Uh, this game was supposed to be close, and it wasn't. And Arizona's kind of a bad team on the road, and Atlanta's good. So there's no shame in losing to the Falcons. But they got doubled up, thirty-eight, nineteen. You know, the Cardinals, other than David Johnson, really didn't have much going offensively whatsoever.
2: They're kind of like the Packers to me in some ways. Not maybe in the same flaws, I guess, but it's just, they're just one of those teams that every week you can kind of talk yourself into still liking them. Um, you know, They'll show flashes every now and then and you'll say, like, okay, this is why this team, I mean, what were they, third best Super Bowl odds to start the year? Definitely top three or four. Um, but then they just they just keep playing games like this, and all of a sudden they're four six and one, and they're probably not going to make the playoffs unless they win out, and even then, uh, you know, not a great chance. So, I mean, it, it are we to the point now with Arizona where even in a day like this, where Carson Palmer was okay, twenty five of forty five, you know, almost three hundred yards, but they were behind, so they had to they had to throw the ball a ton. They only rushed it thirteen times with David Johnson. You know, is it to the point where they have to start looking beyond Carson Palmer? I mean, obviously his age. Would suggest that, um, but this is a guy who I believe was the, got the only other vote that prevented Cam Newton from being the unanimous MVP last year.
1: Yay! Uh, Tony Romo is going to be the quarterback of the Cardinals next year. I think he should be. And when that happens, they're going to be a good playoff team again if right. he stays healthy, which is always the problem.
2: I do wonder. You know, do they look at like at Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Kaiser, Trubisky in the draft? It's like this. Obviously they, they want to start thinking long term, but like this team is built to win right now and I don't know if they wanna, you know, go with a, a high upside young quarterback who maybe kind of pushes your your winning timeline back a little bit. Like Romo's the perfect guy for this team. I mean, what's the window for the Cardinals right now? I mean, David Johnson's young, obviously. He's gonna be good for a while, but you know, a guy like Fitzgerald, as ageless as he's been, you know, two more years of him where you can really expect, you know, and, and not he's not that he's like a tier one receiver right now, but you know, the way that this team is built, I think you want to win a Super Bowl or you want to have your chance to win a Super Bowl next year, the year after, maybe the year after that. And I think Romo is probably the guy who gives you the best chance to do that.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the core is Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew, David Johnson. I mean, they're and young enough. Fitz is at the point where if you're looking two years down the road even, is he a guarantee to even be – Half as productive as he's right now. I mean, it's it's hard to bet against him. Would it surprise him, you
2: if, if this was the year that he kind of dropped off? I mean, the, the way that he's been so consistent and you know takes such crazy good care of his body, like we shouldn't expect him necessarily to fall off, but he's going to at some point.
1: Yeah, but we're also talking about an era too, where players are much more in, inclined to just say, "Hey, you know what? I can still walk and I feel right. okay. I'm going to retire." I mean, like he could just yeah. hang it up after. I mean, Fitz this probably solidified
2: himself as a Hall of Famer with this season. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's he's definitely gone a long way to do that uh so the arizona is one of those teams they could draft a quarterback and get romo and then just have romo for a right. year or two and, and move on then that could also mm-hmm. make a lot of sense but they've done that before with, with the aging quarterbacks and had right. I mean, pretty good success Warner, they
2: brought in carson palmer there's a history of this team kind of doing this exact same thing with romo it's just a, a question of salaries and i'm not privy enough i guess or haven't read up enough on how they would have to make that work but you'd think they could find a way
1: you would think they could do it uh, but david johnson 161 yards from scrimmage and a td team high 11 targets jermaine gresham vulturing a td uh, one of two that carson palmer threw in this game matt ryan was 26 of 34 269 two tds both to taylor gabriel probably because julio jones uh, had the patrick peterson matchup four for 35 on seven targets very quiet day for julio pretty much carbon copies of this wide receiver screen they ran to Gabriel for the two TDs and five targets, not a heavy volume. This is a guy that doesn't need a lot of volume. And the thing I like about how he's being used right now is that Kyle Shanahan, uh, much like Andy Reid in Kansas City, is designing plays for some of the more explosive players in his offense that are, are very much outside the box. Right. I mean, Mike McCarthy... Isn't running. I knew. I knew plays this was gonna come back like this. Like, he's not. He's not going to run the wide receiver screen. <laughs> no, for sure. Twice like Jet that. Sweeps, yeah. The, well, I mean, the, the play that I, I was more wide receiver screens work sometimes, and sometimes they don't. I mean, they're just they one of those plays better, where if yeah, it, the blocking good, is actually. right and you get the right guy in the right space, like, the design seemed better on this McCarthy one.
2: McCarthy ran a wide receiver
1: screen for Aaron Ripkowski a few weeks ago. Right, which is just completely you gotta bananas. Got to get, gotta
2: get Ripkowski out in space.
1: It's the exact opposite of scheming to fit the personnel. It's like, I want to run this wide receiver screen, and all I got out here is Aaron Ripkowski, so I'm you just going to throw him out screen, there. Yeah. It's like, what are you thinking? But the play that I'm thinking about is the one that happened last night, the Tyreek Hill rushing TD, where Alex Smith motioned out, went to the slot left. Yep. Spencer Ware ended up taking the snap, and Tyreek Hill coming from his left. Just took a handoff to the right side, went around the edge and scored. There's no way Aaron Rodgers would out, would motion out to the slot. Cobb would take a snap, hand it off to Ty Montgomery in that play. Even though that play would work for the why,
2: Packers, why do you think that is? Like do, in the NFL, I feel like there's this stigma against running those type of you know, quote unquote gimmick plays. Oregon, you know, Oregon's offense from right, four was, years it's ago. It's one of those. Oh, that works in college, but it won't work in the pros. And like overall, I think that's generally probably right. You know, you can't you can't basically put a of skill position player at quarterback for half the game, but in those type of situations, I mean, it you have to pay attention. If Alex Smith is split out there, you have to look. You know, are they going to throw it to him? Is this going to be some sort of double pass? Like you can't make that the foundation of your offense. But I think you know when you use it once or twice a game, it i think it's very effective and, yeah. and the chief showed that last night
1: and we're seeing it with with the jet sweep too because the jet sweep can set up other things yes. you can you can fake it hand it off run up the middle you can do right. all sorts of different things with it can you run 20 plays with it no and i think when especially when you're in the red zone inside the 10 you have less space to work with so you need deception yeah. you need pre-snap motion you need a lot of things that will set the defense uh on its heels and really right. just confuse people that's there's value in that yep. and I don't think Mike McCarthy ever schemes in a way to confuse anybody
2: no I think there's I don't know if it's a stubbornness if it's just a confidence in the way you know we're just gonna line it up and we're gonna run it at you and we're gonna execute better than you I mean clearly that hasn't worked this season
1: it's because as NFL coaches go if you had to compare Mike McCarthy to something in the deli case he's ham salad
2: ham salad is that even a thing
1: oh that's real google it what do you mix with the ham I don't know it's just a bunch of mayonnaise probably It's making me turn off safe search. Yeah, you're going to have to turn off safe search to get this. Oh, this does not look good. Ham salad.
2: I Googled ham salad, and it's just a picture of Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, it should
1: be. It will be soon enough. This would be good if it wasn't ham. Diced ham, hard-boiled eggs, sweet pickle relish, mayo, onion, celery, bell pepper, and mustard. So, like, potato salad, but with ham instead of potatoes? Yeah. It's ham. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Hmm. Has potential to be good, but isn't because you can't have that every day. It got good for a really, you know, a brief
2: stretch in like 2010. Ham salad got hot at the right time. It was
1: good the first time you had it, and then you ate it for five years straight, and you're like, this is is awful. I've had too much ham salad. That's Mike McCarthy. I need
2: to to go back to Ray Rhodes salad.
1: Nobody wants to go back to Ray Rhodes salad. By the way, how old is Ray Rhodes? Uh, I guess. I'll look it up. Yeah, he's got to be
2: seventy, I would guess. Seventy. Um, before looking, I'm going to say sixty-three. Sixty-three. I Ray think we, Rhodes we, is. We looked this up not that long ago. I think it's going to be right in the middle. Sixty-six.
1: Oh, we did so kind of split. So I that. guess
2: I somehow win. We both guess pretty badly.
1: We we both lose for even having the conversation. Uh, Bengals Ravens. Jeremy Hill picking up yeah. uh, a lot more of the slack in the passing game in the absence of Giovanni Bernard. Got a little dinged up, had an ankle injury, stayed in the game. It looked like it could have been worse. He got kind of bent back on a tackle. Looked like he could have had a knee injury on the play, but so far so good. He appears to be fine. Uh, Rex Burkhead is the next man up, just in case you're wondering, in Cincinnati. Tyler Eifert, 5 for 68 and a score on a team-high 11 targets. Andy Dalton lost two fumbles in this game. He fumbled four times. Got two of them back, so I guess that's that's a good yeah. thing. That's a positive. Elite fumbler and pretty good at recovering
2: fumbles, too. Not, not a lot of people kind of don't really remember how good he is at recovering fumbles. But, I mean, this Cincinnati offense, Like this is kind of exactly what we expected, right? I mean, they... I think they tried to force feed Jeremy Hill early, and he ended up averaging fewer than two yards per carry. They kind of had to get away from that, mix it up a little bit with Burkhead, um, and like you said, Hill was effective through the air. But this this offense was brutal for most of this game, and you know they did mount a little bit of a late challenge to Baltimore, um, but but ended up ultimately fumbling the ball uh, as you as you alluded to deep in Baltimore territory. Um, and then this game ended with one of the more bizarre plays of the season um i mean have you have you seen the the intentional hold highlight
1: yes it was a, a punt situation. kind of a brilliant
2: play kind of a loophole though i don't see a, why that like that shouldn't have worked right like shouldn't have shouldn't the Bengals have like except been able to accept that penalty and then have at least like an on time down or something
1: yeah it's kind of tricky the game can't end on an offensive penalty or can end on an offense penalty yeah. that's very weird the competition committee will probably close that loophole
2: yeah, yeah, that was odd. I guess if you look at it the other way, like say Baltimore did that, and you know I they would never do this, obviously, but if they were down and did that, and then that would be a way to like extend the game and get an on time down, you know, to commit a penalty like that to maybe avoid a sack. Like I, I don't know. I, I, I tried to kind of read through the rule book and figure that one out, but probably not a situation we're going to be encountering all that often.
1: Well, If time expired and they declined the penalty, then the game would just be over. Yeah, if they were losing, like if, if the opposing team declined the penalty, the right. game would just end. So wouldn't be a thing. Uh, Kenneth Dixon, Terrence West, 13 carries apiece, 49 and 48 yards on the ground, respectively, so very little separating the two backs, but 50-50 timeshare based on touches. Mike Wallace, pretty quiet in this one, as was Steve Smith, 4 for 20 on four targets for Smith, 3 for 57 on four targets for Mike Wallace. Baltimore was one of those teams that are they're really boring what they hang yes, around. They I mean, the most exciting player they've got right now putting up points is Justin Tucker. Three 50-yard field goals in the first half. Yeah. No one's ever done it before.
2: Unbelievable stuff from him. Uh, they still have Devin Hester, too, which, surprise, he's one, still in the league, two, on the Ravens. Um, he's probably their most exciting player right Ooh. now. But like you said, they're they're quietly effective. I mean, they're 6-5. They... and uh, I mean, they currently hold the tiebreak over Pittsburgh. I, th- I still think the Steelers probably take this division,
1: um, but I mean, it's going to come down to the end. Yep, I think the Steelers are a slightly better team, even still. Uh, moving on to the Titans and Bears. Bears almost won this game late. Josh Bellamy dropped what would have been a, a go-ahead. Two TD brutal catch brutal drops down the stretch. Marcus Wilson had one before that. Wilson had 125 yards and a score, eight catches on 11 targets. Uh, Deontay Thompson also got into the end zone as the Daniel Brown. I mean, Matt Barkley, 316, three Barkley TDs, but two picks, yeah. threw 54 times, below six yards per attempt. I mean, he's I thought he was all right. I mean, from what I mean, I think obviously the
2: QBR is like 40 and he had chucked it 54 times. Like, he looked. Pretty confident, competent, I should say, and confident, especially on that last drive. I mean, it, it does seem like when teams need to move the ball late, they like are always able to just rip off these like twenty yard gain, twenty yard gain. All of a sudden, the Bears are. I mean, they had four chances from what the seven yard line to get it in, and that's where the first or that, the second drop occurred. Um, and it was a, there was really a drop on that last play too. When you, in real time, it looked like the Tennessee defender you know was able to get a hand on what was a low pass from Barkley, but he put it right where it needed to be. Uh, and ended up bouncing off the chest of uh, I forget who. But, I mean, he looked all right. Tennessee, we think, might be kind of a good team sometimes. And Chicago was right there with them for, for a lot of the second half. If the
1: Texans and Colts, uh, if it plays out the right way, it could all be 6-6 six and six after the Titans buy in Week 13, Titans right. at 6-6, six 3-3 and, six, three and three on the road, 3-3 three and three at home. Uh, Derek Henry, the better back of the two, efficiency-wise, 7.5 yards per carry, 8 for 60, and a score. DeMarco Murray, 17 carries, 43 yards, only 2.5 yards a pop. A quiet game from him, pretty rare to see that. Delaney Walker, 3 for 50, and a score on four targets. Rashard Matthews, 3 for 64, and a score on seven targets. Titans only threw it 23 times, and I think that's got a lot to do with them protecting a the lead right. throughout this game, so pretty nice day for Marcus Mariota. Two twenty-six, two TDs, nine point eight yards per attempt.
2: I believe he now. I'll, I'll try to tally this up as I speak. I, if if uh, upon last reference, if I'm correct, I believe he has twenty touchdowns and two picks over the last seven games. It's almost like he's good. It is almost like he's good. I, I had this discussion with Mario um, on the on the XM show. On Saturday, and we were talking about you know just kind of the the abundance of good young quarterbacks right now, and the way Mariota's playing, James Winston's look good. the Bucks have beaten two really good teams the last two weeks now? Um, and then of course you have Dak, you have Derek Carr, you have Wentz. Like, which of those guys uh, like would you want going forward? Probably Mario is a hundred percent Dak. Carr versus Dak's pretty interesting. Carr's a good player. I <laughs> like is Carr. Car above
1: Mariota and Winston, and obviously he has another, you know, half season behind those guys. I'm, I'm I'm trying to imagine these guys on different teams. I mean, I probably would go Mariota one, Dak two, Car three. Yeah, but they're the question, all they're all good. I guess like, could all these guys be doing what Dak is doing for the Cowboys? I mean, Mariota's kind of doing it with lesser so talent yeah. around him. I, I think I like the the weapons though, uh, the pass catching options. In Tennessee, a bit more than most. I think Rashard Matthews is actually a good player. Well, I got. I mean, but bottom line, I, I think I would take Mariota first of that bunch. I, I think he's the most dynamic of all of them. I mean, Dak is a first-year player. It's pretty impressive what he's done. I still feel like we're due for Dak to just come out and not play well for a game or two, and it's right. going to drum up the conversation. No, whole, should they go back to Romo? And right. it, it shouldn't even come to that.
2: The this the whole thing's been a thirty for thirty, and like we need the we need the narrative arc to kind of switch at some point. We really do. You can't just keep being good forever. That would be a terrible thirty for thirty.
1: But which you know, which of the young quarterbacks would you take first of that bunch?
2: Well, I think just the fact that you can make a case that you would take Derek Carr or Winston like third or fourth is kind of crazy. Or even like Wentz is probably the solid number five out of those guys. And there's a couple other young quarterbacks you could toss in there if you want. I mean, Jared Goff looked pretty good for half of that game. Uh, on Sunday. I don't think he's in the caliber of these guys. Um, but I, I, th- I think probably Carr. But I mean, you, you could talk me into Mariota for sure. You could probably talk me into Dak. And I think you could talk me into Winston too. I mean, Wentz, I think, is the only guy who's slightly behind them. And as of like four or five
1: weeks ago, he might have been number one. The thing that would make me hesitant with Jameis from the skill set perspective. Mike Evans is just a game changing receiver. If you take Mike Evans and replace him with Rashad Matthews, right. suddenly Tampa's pass catchers look a lot like Tennessee's pass catchers. I guess Delaney Walker's better than Cameron Bray, but wow. you take Mike Evans away from Jameis Winston, I'm not really That's that true. impressed by what I see week to week.
2: Yeah. I mean it's it's kind of a give and take. You know, it's like if you take like you think Mike Evans is, is makes Jameis Winston better than Jameis Winston makes Mike Evans better? Oh, I
1: think, I think that's, fair. yeah. Evans, Evans carries Jameis
2: Winston. Yeah. And well, he's the perfect type of receiver for Jameis. You know, like if, like how many guys would you take in like jump ball scenarios, you know, big down the field, risky passes. Like Mike Evans mitigates the risk because promptly, he's Mike yeah, Evans. He's like, probably
1: the best option for, for right. those I, mean, a, I think like
2: AJ Green, Julio, and like, like Allen Robinson can go up and get balls, but like those guys are all shorter than Mike Evans. They all are much, you know, skinnier, I guess, for lack of a better term than Mike Evans. Like, He's the perfect type of guy to, you know, if if he's throwing those balls, some of those balls that he whips downfield to Mike Evans, to if he's targeting someone else, how many more are not caught or you know intercepted even? Yeah, that's, that's a fair so point. Yeah, I think
1: basically, I just I'm saying you're right. I mean, Evans is just a game changing receiver, and it's hard to grade Winston fairly because of it. Uh, Giants going on the road to Cleveland and getting a win. Shocker. Shocker. Uh, Giants are 8-3. and three. That That's kind of surprising. Browns 0-12. Uh, Eli Manning, three TD passes, two to Beckham, one to Dwayne Harris. Uh, Beckham, the Giants defense. Eli, if you used them, was fine, too. The running game, though, didn't do what we expected. Rashad Jennings, 15 carries, 55 yards, didn't do a lot as a pass catcher, didn't score, very chalky DFS play, didn't come through. I uh, still Shepard didn't catch a ball in this matchup. Kind of bizarre, but the Giants didn't have to throw it a lot. Mm-hmm. That's what it came down to. For the Browns, Josh McCallum goes over 300 yards. He had 322, 131 yards to Terrell Pryor, 12 targets. Pryor continues to be a really steady, like RB2, or a wide receiver two type. I mean, Terrell Pryor is a free agent at the end of the season. I think we may have mentioned it last Monday. He's going to get paid. I don't know if Cleveland's even going to retain him. I mean, he might just get ridiculous yeah. money in free agency because
2: future Packer Terrell Pryor.
1: They're they're going to be they're going to be annoying about their their personnel. They're going to be yeah, totally confident in, there, in what they've got, but. I mean, where does he? Where does he end up?
2: Because yeah, well, and I mean, this is a guy like any team. You could make a case for Terrell Pryor, obviously. You know, I mean, money wise, maybe not. But like, there, there's not a team out there that would say like, you know what? If we could make it work, we, we don't really want this guy. But t- like, in
1: terms of sensibility, like Buffalo, Buffalo, Baltimore. Yeah, it, it would just sting the Browns. If they lost him, and he yeah. went to Baltimore. That'd be a terrible, um, terrible sequence of events. Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, he'd be fine there. Uh, I don't want him to go to Houston. He's a, he's
2: a Pennsylvania guy. Maybe Philly.
1: Philly would be a good fit just from a, a right. need standpoint. Kansas you put City him with always Jordan needs Matthews. receivers, but I feel like he would just be wasted there. San Diego. Could be nice in San Diego. The Giants put him with Beckham. Yeah, Beckham Shepard and Terrell Pryor. I don't. I don't think they'll do it. it will be too, too much. Free agency in the NFL is so
2: unpredictable. It's like with NBA. You know, if there's a guy like this who's on the market, like you can like right now at this point in the NBA season, theoretically, you could like narrow it down to like four teams. You know, like in the NFL, it just seems like kind of a crapshoot. What about Carolina? Would you put him out there with Kelvin Benjamin? Would that mean fewer balls for Ted Ginn? It would mean fewer balls I think for I Ted. we do that. Then, hopefully, yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, you put him up there I mean, with like Diggs. Said, could, You could name 15 teams that are like, oh, they don't have that many good receivers. They could use this guy. Dallas? Dallas would be interesting. Put him opposite Dez? Yeah. And form a little super team? That, I mean. That's the most fun scenario probably, right, is Dallas? Yeah, and then what's more likely to happen is the Rams
1: throw like $80 million yeah, dollars at him. San Francisco, yeah, something like that. Some bad team goes yeah. all in for him. That'd be really disappointing. But Did you see he gotten like a little bit of a Twitter scuffle
2: with Janoris Jenkins? No. Jenoris Jenkins deleted the tweet, unfortunately. Um, uh, that's at J Jenkins K E uh, J E N K Z lockdown. Sure, uh, but he was basically talking sauce at Pryor, and then Pryor took the high road and responded and said, "You were a great corner, solid defender. You played a solid game. God bless!" Space exclamation exclamation. Good luck, rest of year.
1: Hmm. That's
2: All how right. you take the high road.
1: High road indeed. Wow, I I did not expect that to be mm-hmm. the uh, the outcome.
2: It took me a really long time to find out who he was tweeting at because like there's really no indication that it's Janoris Jenkins. Like there was like a SoundCloud link <laughs> and I'm like it's this guy. I thought he was like beefing with some rapper at first and then
1: turns out it was Janoris Jenkins. Huh. Well, the more you know. Yeah. Let's move on to the Rams and Saints. Greg Williams uh getting just completely owned by his old team. Saints putting up 49 on their former defensive coordinator. 310, four TDs from Drew Brees. How about a 50-yard TD pass from Willie Sneed to Tim Hightower where I saw maybe the worst tackling attempt of the season at the end of that play? I don't know right. which Rams defender it was. It was ugly. I mean, Hightower is not this explosive player that makes people miss a lot. And he no. just no, he is not just hit L two and scored untouched mm-hmm. at the end of that play. Michael Thomas had nine catches for 108 yards, two TDs, ten targets. Brandon Cooks didn't catch a ball. In fact, according to the box score, he wasn't even targeted in this right. game. What do you make of that? Some sort of conspiracy, you think? Has to be trying to prove to everybody they can win without him. But no,
2: I love love the play call for. Basically, you know, the, the double pass, you know, Willie Snead to Tim Hightower when you're already up 42-21. That's the NFL
1: blitz play, too. Right.
2: Yeah, exactly. And New Orleans, not afraid to break that out. I was a little worried at first. I mean, L.A. came out and scored right away on its first drive. Uh, Kayvon Austin Kavon I had him going to the Millie Maker. Running downfield, as you know, as he does. Uh, that was a really nice throw, I thought, from Jared Goff, kind of leading him to the corner of the end zone. Uh, Goff cooled off a little bit, you know, after that, but three touchdowns from him um all in the first half and by that point though i mean once it once it hit the second half new orleans was was kind of cruising and drew Brees was was in one of those zones that we've seen him in
1: far too often 28 21 at half but yeah finished 49 at 21 with the saints running away with it. Mark Ingram had two TDs of 167 yards from scrimmage. If not for that long TD catch from Tim Hightower, he wouldn't have done a whole lot in this one at all. Uh, 15 carries, but I think that was in large part because the Saints were running away with it, and Ingram was dinged up coming into this game. Remember when this was was an RB controversy like two weeks ago? Because Sean Payton was just being stupid about it. It wasn't because Tim Hightower was showing exceptional skills. Very true. Dolphins 31-24 winners over the Kaepernick's 296. Three TDs, 113 rushing yards for Colin Kaepernick, who... Um, you know, by w- what he's done on the sidelines and, and what he said in press conferences, has become public enemy number one in the NFL. But we're talking about a league devoid of quality quarterbacks, and he looks like he could at least be a quality quarterback yeah. again. Nearly sent this game to overtime uh, on the last play of the game, tried to uh, run one in from what, six, seven yards out, and Dominican Sue got him from behind, and Kiko Alonso just blasted him yeah. to finish it. So uh really exciting finish in a game that really could have been just a complete train wreck to watch otherwise. The Niners now one in 10 really hoping that the Browns will find a way to beat, you know, an AJ Greenless Cincinnati team or uh maybe the Chargers, I guess are a possibility. But in terms of wild card standings, you mean? Uh yeah, what? no, number 2, number 1 overall pick, you know, that battle.
2: Oh, oh, the Niners, I thought you meant the Dolphins. I'm no, sorry. no, no. Oh, yeah. Uh I mean, what, what Where are the Niners going to be looking in the draft? Like Colin Kaepernick, like you said, has played pretty well and it's it's tough to judge because they've been down and there's just like such a lack of skill around him, but I mean, he's played about as well, I think, as you could ask, considering, you know, what we know about his skill set um, and obviously seeing him run for 113 yards on just 10 carries. Like, there's how many other
1: quarterbacks in the league are you even capable of that, you know, right now? Like, one or two, maybe? If, if that um, game goes to overtime, he might have one of the best fantasy days yeah. we've ever seen. Because if it goes to overtime, it's because he scored a rushing TD on exactly. the last play. Right,
2: exactly. And then, you know, potential for more scoring in overtime. Um, I mean, basically the question is, Has he played well enough that they draft, like, you know, Miles Garrett or whoever it is defensively or you know, look somewhere else offensively, or are they zeroing in on a quarterback?
1: I think they would have to trade down and try to get multiple picks. They they have a lot of holes. I mean yes, uh, they do. Carlos Hyde looks good as a running back. It looks like a yeah, legit, well, he's, healthy, like, he's fine. Like top ten, top twelve sort of running back, catches passes. He's efficient as a runner. There's a lot to like. But how many of Vance McDonald, Sean Drone Rod Streeter, Chris Harper, Torrey Smith, Jeremy Curley, who made a good catch near the end of regulation in this game, Garrett Selleck, and Quentin Patton. How many of those guys would you actually want on your 53-man roster next year?
2: Vance McDonald has been fine. I think he's he's a rosterable player certainly. And I like Smith and Curley. I think if they're like your like they fourth could, and they fifth could be receivers, your two and three, if you if you really <laughs> have a nice number one, ideally they're your three and four.
1: I think they're a four and a five at this point. I mean yeah, like ideally, yeah, but it's like do you really have They need they need receivers three receivers. They need they need yeah. like Terrell Pryor plus two drafted receivers.
2: Yeah. So I mean, so what do you, you know, if if you're San Francisco and you you're looking at like the number 2 pick, like do you trade down for with the team looking for a quarterback and try to get like, you know, a receiver somewhere in the middle of the first round and then, you know, top of the second? Probably. This is not like a there's not like a big big time receiver. In this draft, at least not right now, which is kind of the issue. I mean, you're you're not looking at somebody. You know, there's no Calvin Johnson in this draft. There's no. There's not even like an Amari Cooper type. It's a problem. Yeah, I mean, you can get quality receivers certainly, but like you know, like Mike Williams from Clemson is probably the number one receiver, or like John Ross from Washington, and like those guys are good certainly, but they're not. They're not guys you would immediately project
1: as you know, thousand yard guaranteed rookie type of guys. Yeah, so maybe it comes down to the Niners having to sign Terrell Pryor. Retain Colin Kaepernick. Look look forward to that, Niners fans. Convince Calvin Johnson to come out of retirement. And then also just go heavy defensively in the draft and and wait another year to get some of those other
2: offensive pieces that are needed. Maybe give him a look at receiver. Who knows?
1: Yeah, yeah, you never know. Get your real peppers indeed. Chargers-Texans. Lamar Miller may have tweaked his ankle in this one. Tyrell Williams left with a fourth-quarter shoulder injury. I should have mentioned before, Devontae Parker uh, may have suffered a back injury in that Niners-Dolphins game. Uh, he did not score. Can he still be on one Like
2: ridiculous catch per game, though.
1: Yeah, he, I think he I got like hurt on a, a non-catch I I could, too, yeah. so he almost had a TD added on. Uh, but it was Leonte Carew, Deion Sims, and Kenny Stills catching TD passes from Ryan Tannehill. And J.H.I. only had 45 yards against the, a weak San Francisco run mm-hmm. defense. Did score, at least.
2: I saw Vlad said he was, what, like 35% owned or something? And
1: really, David. really chalky because right. San Francisco's been that much worse than other run this defenses. This is the
2: second time in a couple weeks we've seen this, though. Like, David Johnson was the same way
1: a few weeks ago. And what did he rushed for? I don't even know if he got to, like, 70 yards. Yeah, but I think he... Piled up some yardage in the passing yeah, game or something to offset it, uh, but Chargers Texans Chargers getting a road win, Houston losing for the first time at home. I mean, they're going to lose a lot at home right. because I was shocked that this Brock's their not first good. Home-wise. No, they're they're just bad. They are are bad. They're a bad team because their quarterback's bad, and Lamar Miller being hurt is not going to help. We'll see if his ankle injury keeps him out of action uh, in Week 13. Dontrell Inman, 6 for 119 and a score on six targets. Williams, who I mentioned got hurt, 8 for 70 and a score on 14 targets before he left. Hunter Henry, 2 for 20 and a score. Melvin Gordon, 17 carries, 70 yards, uh, 4 for 19 as a pass catcher. Phillip Rivers, 242 through the air, three TDs. Nice performance from him. If Tyrell Williams is forced to miss some time, Dontrell Inman is a really interesting waiver pickup because he's been in this system now for three years. Without Williams, they have to go somewhere else with those extra targets. And Travis Benjamin only got two looks in the passing game. Something's either not right with him health wise or he just hasn't meshed with Phillip Rivers over the course of this season because even before he suffered that knee injury, Benjamin was falling short of expectations this season.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Benjamin, you know, was kind of the. I guess a popular dark horse type of fantasy guy, you know, I'm somebody that I was targeting a lot, you know, late in drafts as a, you know, a potential flex or wide receiver three type of guy who I was hoping to be able to use every week, and he was on and off, you know, it, he's, he was kind of a feast or famine type of guy in terms of does he have an 80 yard reception for a touchdown this week or does he target it three times and you know has a game like this, and it's much more often it's been the latter now over these last four and five games. I guess Inman's the guy to own right now. I mean, San Diego, regardless of who they play, always seem to rack up passing yards behind Phillip Rivers, and it's it's kind of a testament, I guess, to how good the AFC West is, that they're in last place at five and six, and they're they're
1: one of those teams you feel can beat you know 27 other teams just about any day. That's the scary thing about them. That division is loaded, though, right really now, is. and they are going to have a difficult time uh, finding their way to a wild card. Uh, as a result, Let's move on to the Seahawks and Bucks. Seattle held to five points by the Tampa Bay defense. How did that happen?
2: Yeah, I don't. I, I wish I had an explanation for you on that one. DVR. This this is easily the most bizarre score, uh, given the situation. You know, given the teams playing and given literally the score itself. Literally a five. Fourteen to five. The
1: fourteen's not weird,
2: but but the five is. Like, Tampa Bay's defense should not be this good. It's the not. Seattle offense should not be this bad. I don't think it is. I don't just, get just it. just an off day. Like we were people. We were ready to declare the Seahawks as like back. Like it's either Dallas or Seattle in the NFC, and like a loss like this. Like this is a like this is an eye opening loss.
1: They still have a three game lead over the Cardinals for first place in the West, so I think right. they're going to be fine.
2: I mean, the, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, yes, but like good teams, Super Bowl winning teams don't have games where you look this incompetent.
1: Two weeks ago, the Bucks were four and five they won at kansas city and then home against seattle now so they're six and five they're definitely in the yeah. mix for a playoff spot i liked them at the beginning of the year they were letting me down week after week i finally gave up on them prior to the chiefs game and this is how they repay me mm-hmm. they're on the list rachel nichols yep
2: the seattle seahawks
1: seattle's on there oh sorry tampa yeah tampa
2: it's tampa Bay buccaneers who else is on the list there's a third thing cool light
1: oh cool light's um, garbage
2: well, that's on its own separate list.
1: Yeah, that's that's okay. that's on its own list.
2: Okay. Um, we'll have to actually compile this because there's definitely way more.
1: Yeah, I have to get a whiteboard or something. Chris Russo. Engineer. Oh, Russo's. Oh, yeah, Russo's number one. Yep. on the list. He's he's brutal. Uh, Mike Evans had two TDs, eight catches, 104 yards on 11 targets in a matchup that should have been a really difficult one. That was the difference. Without Mike Evans, the Bucks yeah. lose five zero.
2: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I mean, and he like had both of the. He had both undeniable. Sounds like really early in the game, right?
1: Yeah, Doug Martin was okay, three point eight yards per carry, twenty three carries. Good sign that he's able to take on that heavy of a workload. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, Seattle, you're you're being weird. And uh, Russell Wilson below five yards per attempt yesterday, two picks, That's... six sacks. I mean, like what? Why? Happened? <laughs> Jimmy Graham lost a fumble. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. This is the
2: second time, if you're wondering, in NFL history that a game has ended in a fourteen to five score were they both teams coached by Pete Carroll? No. Uh, but the San Francisco 49ers and the Atlanta Falcons were involved in the other 14 to 5 game in 1984, so NFC West versus NFC South.
1: Uh, no. Well, that was uh, those teams were both in the NFC West back then. Were they? Yeah, the Falcons were in the NFC West in the 80s.
2: Yeah, I suppose. I mean, a lot of things have changed since. So the Jaguars were, you know, 12 years from becoming a franchise even at that point.
1: Yeah, they they didn't really exist in any form at that point. Patriots 22, Jets 17. Jets uh, actually kind of strung us along for a bit in this game, and Ryan Fitzpatrick went off for 269, two TDs, no picks, only one sack, Uh, Running game didn't get much going. Matt Forte had 27 yards on 13 carries. Blau Powell, 8 for 36. Quincy Anunma goes over 100 yards, 5 for 109 on a score. Brandon Marshall ends his TD list drought, 6 for 67 on a score on nine targets from him, 8 for 83 on 11 targets from Edelman. We had 5 for 42, two TDs from Malcolm Mitchell. He's now scored three times in the last two games. Is he a viable wide receiver three right now? Yes. I mean, the way he's being used. He's also one of those guys that it wouldn't surprise you if he goes out and has
2: like one target and no catches next week, because that's how things work in new England. But I mean, we got to give a shout out to Kevin Payne, who is, who is high on Malcolm Mitchell. He was recommending him all over this week. and, And obviously that paid off, but weird game from new england didn't didn't really look like themselves for a lot of this one brady had to throw the ball probably more than they would have liked didn't look all that great um took a couple hits wasn't sacked at all um but but did take more hits than than you're used to seeing with him
1: uh but i mean a win's a win when you're in new england and, and when you're going on the road in the division yeah gronk left this game early with a back injury he did not catch a pass prior to exiting i didn't use him uh in all but one league i played him in my home league because julius thomas was not going to play for the jags so it was gronk or waiver wire uh I, I didn't play him in the stopa league a two tight end league because i was mm-hmm. very very much lacking confidence that he was going to be involved in a typical fashion the back injury something new of course there was the the punctured lung that had him yeah. uh, on the shelf last week we'll see where he's at heading into week 13 patriots now 6 and 0 on the road i saw a, a debate i had it on mute of course because i was making dinner at the time but the debate was raiders or patriots who's the better nine and two team in the afc
2: crazy that that's a debate um i mean the last few weeks it seemed maybe like oakland
1: okay but let's, uh, let's but just, i
2: think it's still in the wind.
1: let's, let's go let's just use like the, the madden what are the madden categories like coaching is one of them right uh,
2: you just like offense, defense, special teams. Oh, offense, defense, I special know, I teams. Maybe, maybe coaching is the
1: is not yeah. one. But let's just, let's start with coaching. Okay, Belichick, Raiders, barely over okay, Del Rio, no. very close. <laughs> Belichick, there. Yep, the Wiley Jack Del Rio has closed the gap. Quarterback, um, still the Patriots. Still Patriots. Uh, running running game. Patriots. Patriots again. I'd take Blunt over Latavius Murray. Uh, pass catchers, Oakland. Oakland when Gronk's not playing. Oh right, yeah. When Gronk is playing, New England is Gronk
2: that good? I mean, like Oakland. If Gronk's number one in those hierarchies, like Oakland might have the next two, and then down to Bennett. I mean, Oakland, New England has the the tight end advantage by far, but Oakland I think has the wide receiver advantage by a pretty good margin.
1: The funny thing is, <laughs> with with Rob Gronkowski owning him's been a miserable experience. I've said as much before. He's down to 12.1 fantasy points per game in the eight games he's played this season in full point PPR leagues. For his career, what a bomb. other than his rookie season, he's never been below 17 fantasy points per game on average. And I saw this, this happening yesterday. I think it was, uh, it was Ray Flowers, one of the industry guys on, on Sirius XM, just saying that, that Gronk stinks. It's like owning, <laughs> owning Gronk stinks. That's the problem. Yes, Gronk is literally the best tight end ever. He, he's a better player, Kyle Brady. But yes, well, yeah, okay. We're, I, I thought I thought we just knew Kyle Brady was better. But uh, if your choices are even Tony Gonzalez, Gates at his peak, or Jesse a healthy Waltz. Gronk, yeah. you're taking Gronk. Like oh, of course yeah. you would take Gronk because he is he's got more big playability even than those guys. Those, those there's, are,
2: not, there's not a tight end who's ever really had this kind of big
1: playability. I, I guess Jimmy Graham, but there was also a fight at one point
2: to consider him a receiver.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> Gronk for me is even better than Gonzalez and Gates, yeah. and those guys are outstanding. So to even suggest that Gronk is anything less than a great player is completely insane. 14.2 yards per target this year. That's bananas. Yeah. That, that's, that's just off the charts high. And if you think about the games he's played, week three he came back, he played fourteen snaps. Right. He wasn't healthy. We we thought he might he hasn't be. He's been really healthy all year. He was healthy, I think, between week five and through week ten when he suffered the punctured lung. Those those games, those 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 games he was healthy. Five seven four five three for the catch volume, snaps fifty or more in all those games, hundred yards three times, ninety three yards one of the times he right. didn't get it, three TDs. I mean what 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 this are we is for a tight end? Like hundred yard games. Uh, it's judged differently if you're a tight end. Yeah, you know, in like, fair to a receiver. And again, I'm not. I'm not trying to, to pick at Ray, but I, I don't, other people have had these take on Gronk too, and I, I don't. I don't get it. Like I, I, he was overdrafted as a first rounder yeah. because he's been hurt. It's just I don't know. We didn't realize how hurt he true. was in draft season. Right. Where is he going to go in drafts next year? Is he going to go third round, fourth round? Somebody's going to get a big steal wherever, wherever he's going to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't enjoyed the four shares I've I've got this year. Thus far, if he gets back and tears it up weeks 14 through 16 in the fantasy playoffs, mm-hmm. if you make the playoffs and you have him, and all of a sudden he's good when he needs to be good at the end of the year, all is going to be forgiven. If you're getting him at a 3-4 turn next year, he still has more ability at tight end than any other player at the, on the board at the position. Yeah. He's still in a good offense. Brady doesn't show any real signs of, of, of slowing down. Hasn't to this point anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I just I can't imagine that Gronk falls much further than the round three four turn. So, like the no, first couple picks of round four is in, in like a ten team league. Top forty player basically is, is what I expect him to be at the bare minimum going into next season. Yeah, well, it's
2: the positional scarcity too that makes him so valuable. Like, like you said, when he's at his peak, the gulf between him and the number two tight end is so much greater than the number one running back to the number two running back or the number one receiver to the number two receiver. Like, he can single handedly. You know, not maybe not win you your league, but he can he can single handedly when he's healthy, you know, keep you in contention every single week because you're gonna maybe outscore your opponent's tight end by you know ten to fifteen points, you know, ten out of those sixteen games.
1: I mean Gronk. Okay, so Gronk averaged seventeen fantasy points per game last year in full point PPR leagues, and among receivers, if you were a wide receiver, that would have ranked him fourteenth. They would have put him uh, .2 points per game behind AJ Green as a yeah. wide receiver. You're getting that from the tight end spot. Right. I, I just, I, I can't level with the Gronk isn't good or Gronk stinks takes. Gronk Gronk's not a first round pick. That's fine. That's the take. That's that's the appropriate yeah. take. All right, we're gonna move on to the Chiefs and Broncos. Really exciting finish in this one. Cairo Santos banking one in off the left yeah. upright as time expired in overtime I mentioned the Tyreek Hill rushing TD he had a receiving TD and a return touchdown as well Uh, so a monster game from him if you had him going in season long or in DFS Emmanuel Sanders also had a big night and you know we're talking about quarterbacks before Trevor Simeon at least in flashes looks like a solid NFL quarterback I mean Bortles fan would you trade Bortles for Trevor Simeon right now (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I would. Um, is that on the table? Do you know something I don't know? I I don't have that
1: on the table, but I, I just wonder. Like
2: Simeon did get a lot of like yak help in this game, to be fair, but uh, it, still, I mean, it was it was a, a heck of an effort, and he certainly looks more competent and much better coached uh,
1: than than Blake Bortles does, if you want to make that comparison. That's where it comes um, in, right? Gus Bradley okay. and and Greg Olson haven't built an offense that is adjusting right. to Bortles' shortcomings, whereas I feel like the Broncos have at least designed their system to fit what Trevor right. Simeon can do. He's only got 7.4 yards per attempt. Look, he's not a, a long-term solution at mm-hmm. quarterback for anybody, but can he be the guy for a year or two with a good defense and a good running game? Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see why not. Okay, so in retrospect,
2: this is an easy answer, but uh, at the time, I'm kind of curious to see what you thought of of the decision by Denver to not go for two and make it a two-possession game. So... Benny Fowler catches a pass from Simeon not a not a great throw the, the Chiefs basically brought an all out blitz on third and two denver 's at its own twenty four and Simeon just kind of you know saw the blitz come in and lofted it up uh, what ended up being a perfect throw, I guess to Benny Fowler horrific coverage on the play. I forget who it was somebody Gaines, I think who was burned for like eight catches and two hundred plus yards on the night it was, it was like one of the all time worst performances by a cornerback like he i don't know if he never saw the ball like as fowler is catching the pass basically backpedaling because it was such a lot like a lobbed throw and looked like it got caught up in the wind uh the cornerback is like looking the other way never really saw the ball and fowler's able to just kind of run unimpeded for 70 plus yards uh to the end zone so that put denver up by seven before the extra point with three minutes left uh, exactly on the clock you're at home. Do you Are you okay with that decision to, to kick the extra point, make it an eight-point game, giving the ball back to Kansas City? Or do you go for two there, try to basically ice the game at that point? Um, but there's always a risk you know, that it's a seven-point game and Kansas City scores and can just get the extra point to tie it. I think in that
1: case, you definitely go for two. I think so, too. Because Kansas City's not going to go for two if they tie it at, Twenty. If they make it twenty three right. twenty two later on, like
2: I think you just trust your defense to not let them score. Period. And obviously, that's not what happened. Um, but I, I mean, I think I'm with you. Like you, you make Kansas City get the two, right? Well, they, they
1: wouldn't. They would have just kicked the extra point. You would have got the. You still would have went to overtime. Yeah. And if saying. you go for two, yeah, you, you make it a two. You have to make that a two score. Right. Game. It's, it's too. It's too prone. Like you trust your
2: defense one to not let them score a touchdown, and then it's like okay, if they score a touchdown, then you trust your defense to not let them get the two point conversion and obviously Denver's defense was not able to do either of those things.
1: I thought Andy Reid might go for it, uh, go for two in the third quarter after the Tyreek Hill rushing yeah. TD, because that put him up uh, 15-10. They kicked the extra point. They went up six. I thought they might go for right. two and just make it a seven-point game. Again, it all kind of washed yeah. out just fine. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, think, I think Denver – made a mistake not mm-hmm. going for two after the Benny Fowler TD cuz they go up 25-16 they win that's this over. game in regulation 25-24 yep. most likely and they're sitting at 8 and 3 the Chiefs are at 7 and 4 they're flipped and that's that could be critically important with regards to maybe a home game in the playoffs or even making the playoffs at all
2: yeah yeah exactly this was uh i mean a game that you felt especially after that Fowler touchdown all the momentum was was going Denver's way. It, it just kind of looked like that was going to be the final nail for this the Chiefs defense that had struggled against the pass on the night. Um, but I mean, a hell of a win by the Chiefs, honestly. And I, all of a sudden now, Denver looks a little bit shaky as a as a potential playoff team. I mean, this was this was a team that probably looked like maybe the best in the NFL in week five, week six, and then they've kind of slid a little bit since then. And You know, right now they're they're tied with Miami. I guess if you want to put it that way, for what would be the second wild card spot. You know, assuming Oakland uh, and Kansas City finish ahead of them,
1: they may only win two of their remaining five games, and nine wins might not be enough.
2: I don't think nine wins is enough.
1: I I think you need ten to get the wild card in the AFC this year. The second wild card. Well, they're winning next week at Jacksonville. Yeah, you sure?
2: I lock it in. I've never been more sure of anything in my life. Okay, they
1: go at Tennessee the week after that, certainly not a layup. They get no. the Patriots at home in uh week 15. Yep. They get the Chiefs again in week 16 this time at Arrowhead. I mean, those two teams are very evenly matched. Yep. And then a home game against the Raiders. I
2: mean, they're going to The nice thing about this is like they're going to control their own destiny because they play the Chiefs and they play the Raiders and they play New England who, you know, is going to be at least have something to play for at that point.
1: So but if you were trying to map out expected win total would you say like
2: 2.75? Yeah, I think I mean they beat the Jags. I think they they beat one of the Chiefs and the Raiders. They don't beat the Patriots and they probably beat the Titans, but like that that Titans
1: game you look at as like a 60-40 win chance maybe. Right. So yeah, about 2.75 right. expected sure. wins, more likely to win 3 than to win 2. Yeah. But not I wouldn't confidently say they're going to win 3.
2: No, and it's like yeah, I think you need to win three for
1: sure to to feel good about your playoff chances. All right, well, speaking of playoff chances, the Packers, I think, at the end of last week, were at 6%. Might be up just slightly. Haven't looked again since. I'll look after tonight's game to see if it's zero or one or 12 or wh- whatever it's going to be. They need to win the division, right? The way the, that the NFC East looks? I think that's... Is the NFC East as good as... The records behind the Cowboys no, would the, indicate. I mean,
2: statistically, weren't the Giants, in terms of differential, the worst seven-win team ever? I, I think I heard that this past
1: week. I don't trust Ben McAdoo at all. I don't okay. like their running game. The defense is playing well, though, and that was something that earlier in the year I was I was buying into. Chris Liss was rambling on about the Giants back in August, how they had revamped their pass rush, secondary is getting better. I, I thought he was right. It's taken a bit longer than expected, but they've won six in a row. I mean, they, they're they're eight and three. I still feel like nobody buys into them. Minnesota still looks flawed. Tampa, Saints. I, I think the Packers are still in the mix for well, a wild the card. Mix. They're not getting it, but they're in the mix. They're in the mix for a wild card. Part and part because Arizona's been bad. Like, that's helping. Well, like if they win tonight, which is far
2: from a guarantee against an Eagles team that's the best home defense in the NFL, the Packers would move to 5-6. and six. That puts you... You know, how many games are behind the Giants? Like three games behind the Giants, two games behind Tampa Bay. You're still two games back in the division.
1: Washington's got a, t- a tiebreaker right. over Washington has them. a
2: tiebreaker over you, and you're a game and a half behind them because of the tie. Like they would need a lot of help, and they would basically need to win out.
1: Well, the way it, it, it all breaks down, you get Texans, Seahawks, Bears, Vikings, Eagles. And Lions still? Lions, I think, are week 17. I don't know. They they need to schedule the Jaguars a couple more times. Ideally, yes. But I, I don't think they're going to win tonight. I think they're going to lose, and it's going to be the end of their season. I think so, too. And the Fire McCarthy rallying cry will be more than just me quietly sitting there in my living room drinking my Carbon yeah. 4 growler of Tokyo Sonda by myself.
3: Well.
2: The nice thing is, like, the struggles now have flipped from, okay, the offense can't do anything, Rodgers isn't Rodgers anymore, to the defense is terrible. This is one of the worst defenses we've ever seen. They've allowed more points over the last four games than the Packers have ever allowed over a four-game stretch. The nice thing is you have the Eagles, the Texans, the Seahawks, and the Bears, and the Vikings coming up. Five teams that are not exactly juggernauts offensively. You know, Seattle can be at times, but they can also score five points uh, against the Buccaneers. So it's like, at least you don't have, like, the Falcons coming up, or the Saints, or the Raiders. You know, you have you have teams that struggle offensively that you at least could hope maybe mitigates how bad your defense has been. But that's exactly it right now. At this point, you're just hoping.
1: Yeah, at least they get Seattle at home and Minnesota at home still. So I, I there's there there's hope, but it's it's uh,
2: Lambo is just a dreary atmosphere right now.
3: It it's is. Not, it's, I mean,
2: it's still a big time home field advantage, but it's not like it normally is. A lot of cool light. A lot of I very was at the game against the Bears, the last game that they won, which feels like eons ago when it was still warm out. Uh, and even then, it was just this weird atmosphere. Like it, people were, it, it was a convincing Packers win, and like nobody was
1: happy. It wasn't the usual jubilant atmosphere of Lambeau Field. Where they really hurt themselves was the Indianapolis game in particular. That's what started all this. I stuff. mean, if you, if you win that game, you're 5-5 five and five right now. You're in, you're in a spot where you're not feeling horrible. Right but that game just sounded like a disaster from the start. That was the one that really put him into the tailspin.
2: Yeah, like the Falcons loss, you know, it wasn't encouraging. A loss is never encouraging, but the Falcons are good and the Packers looked really good for a lot of that game. Like that was kind of the okay, the offense is kind of back.
1: Game. Yeah, the legit. Like this right. is a, this is a, a these are two teams that, that was a shootout could meet loss in the like, NFC Championship right. game. It's like Cowboys, Falcons, Packers, Seahawks that time looked like the four yeah. best teams in the conference. Right. Again, not counting the Giants at that time because mm-hmm. They were three games into their winning streak, right. and I still don't think they're that good.
2: Yeah, so I mean that—that's exactly what started all this. And you know, the Colts game spiraled into the Titans game, which I think spiraled into the Redskins game, and now we'll probably spiral into this
1: Eagles game. All right, the Packers are going to win tonight. I know I'm all over the road with this. They're going to find a way. It's going to be stupid, but they're going to—they're going to do it. They're going to keep us on the string just a little bit longer.
2: That would be a very Packers thing to do.
1: Honestly, like they, they they shouldn't win today because Philly at home's good. Packers have been bad on the road. I feel like they're gonna lose, but they'll find a way to win because I feel like they're gonna lose. That, that's how it works. Philly's a five point favorite at home. Only five, huh? You think it should be bigger? No, not really. I think that sounds right, if not maybe a little high. Vegas is usually dead on. Yeah. So, so yeah. Eagles are winning by five. Probably. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, if you like this podcast and have a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher, we would greatly appreciate that. Eric and Jake are back with you with the waiver episode on Tuesday.